In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammy and Sandy. Nancy Collier is our guest this week on Money Tales. Growing up, Nancy's love for equestrian sports clashed with her father's belief that it was reserved for the privileged. But Nancy's determination prevailed. She became a top-level equestrian and rode on the national circuit. She tells us that when she finally won, she realized the success wasn't about the winning. It was about the strength and resilience it revealed within her. No matter what obstacles Nancy would face in life, she knew she could conquer the most challenging paths. Let me tell you more about Nancy. She's a longtime practitioner of mindfulness and Eastern spirituality and works as a psychotherapist and interfaith minister. Nancy has authored several books, including The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, Why You're Feeling Depleted and How to Get What You Need, and Can't Stop Thinking. Nancy is also a thought leader and national speaker on mindfulness, women's empowerment, well-being, and ethical technology. She frequently appears in the media, including being featured on Good Morning America. Here are three key money topics Nancy hits on in this conversation. First, how being raised to be careful with money has prevented her from feeling comfortable using money in playful ways. Nancy is now working on loosening those shackles. Second, Nancy recommends that if you have money fears, invite the fears to the conversation table so that you can explore what you're afraid of. As she says, the truth is our safe ground. And third, what it was like as a breadwinner mom and come to terms with needing to tell her partner that she needed him to financially contribute to the family in order for her to feel safe. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now on to our conversation with Nancy Collier. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cammie Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. And Cammie, I am so excited. We talk on Money Tales a lot about how to jump into money conversations and how conversation starters can be really helpful. Asking questions like, what was money like for you when you grow up? That is a question we ask oftentimes on the podcast. Well, I came across a brand new conversation starter about money. What is it, Sandy? I was doing some online shopping and I was on the Betsy Johnson website and I haven't been on that brand's website in decades. Oh, you're bringing back memories. When I was looking at her brand last, she probably didn't even have a website, <laughs> but I came across it and I love all of her edgy fashion and jewelry and something just caught my eye. She has jewelry, earrings and a matching necklace that say prenup on them. It says prenup? 
prenup in bedazzled jewels with kind of a Tiffany blue background to it. I wanted to know more. Like, why did they choose that particular word (laughs) for these items of jewelry? But I just thought, gosh, if we wore prenup jewelry, that has to get people asking questions about money. (laughs) That's amazing. We actually might need to invite Betsy Johnson on to Money Tales to get at what is the reasoning behind this? This is so interesting. I've already got in my mind, Sandy, maybe we've got a t-shirt line with some good money questions, money tells questions. Oh, good idea. (laughs) Ask me about money. (laughs) Talk to me about money. Tell me your money story. So interesting, huh? I thought it was really fun. So um, I I did want to share that with you and our listeners. We might have to ask our guest today, what would her earrings say? Her money (laughs) question. (laughs) That's terrifying. Well, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Nancy Collier. It's wonderful to be speaking with you on the Money Tales podcast. Lovely to be here. Delighted. Would you introduce yourself and provide a couple pivotal moments that have really impacted who you are today? Nancy Collier is my name. That's what I go by. I am an author of a new book, The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, a therapist, an interfaith minister and a longtime student of Eastern spirituality. What's coming in this moment, and I guarantee you, if you asked me 45 minutes from now, it'd probably be a radically different list. But I'm thinking about what impacted the work I do now, particularly helping women find their authenticity and their power. And some of that has to do with their relationship with money, of course. I always think about when I was back in my early 30s, I was a very top-level equestrian in the road on the national circuit. And in any case, I had ridden my entire life and won, 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 but worked my tail off for that. And then it had been quite a life's journey. And the competition that sort of represented most everything to me, I finally won. And It wasn't so much about the winning, but it has given me a sense of the difficulty that I struggled to get there in every way, financially and physically and psychologically. No one could ever take that away from me. And I often go back to that place inside myself. It's a real place of strength, of hard work and no matter whatness that took me there. And It just has always made me know I can do really, really hard things. And it wasn't even the winning. It was just the completion of my own journey. There was a moment, and they're more personal. They're very personal. But there was a moment that someone put their hands on my shoulders. I was about 50, so not that long ago. And in that moment, I recognized how little of my life I was living, actually receiving what I wanted to receive. I was everybody's everything. I had built this amazing life and played all these roles. But that was the first moment in many, many years, I don't even know how long, where I was actually where I wanted to be for me. That was just such a pivotal, it was like a God shot, if you know what that means. And then there was another moment not so long ago, where I realized I wasn't interested anymore in what all everyone else needed me to be. And 
it was such a shift. It brought me to laughter, really, because it was wonderful you share that. And I'm not really interested anymore in who you need me to be. These are profound knowings at the time that they happen. And those three stand out right in this moment. Absolutely. My goodness. I want to go back to all you accomplished being an equestrian, because many of you said that. My brain went to how expensive that endeavor is. So I was thinking money, but you talked about so much more of the priceless aspects of what you've learned. Would you share a little bit more about how you thought of this activity from a financial standpoint? And when you started, were you talking about this investment and what it meant for your family and you? It's a great topic. It was a very complicated issue in my family. Very. Because I came from a very intellectual family, intellectual and artistic. My dad's dream daughter would have been somebody writing poetry in a black beret in the basement. And it was all about following your dreams. But if your dreams were maybe not something that was understood, it came with all sorts of interpretations. So I come from also a psychiatrist and a psychologist, which is complicated. Oh, um, so <laughs> like it, Nancy. Yes. And they were Buddhists and they were practicing Buddhists and they were very active teachers in it. My father hated the fact that it was an expensive sport because he didn't understand it. And it was extremely expensive. And money was something that made him really angry. Yet my passion for riding pushed through. But it created a certain back-level resentment, I think, on his part. And it was difficult. It was very difficult to spend that much money and know it and have him not respect it because he thought it was for spoiled rich girls. And he didn't understand being at the barn at four in the morning. And it's an athletic pursuit and takes every aspect of yourself. But he didn't like that I liked. Nancy, were you talking with him about it? It was a background resentment. He died when I was 28. So 28 years, he came to one horse show and he was enraged. And so it wasn't so much spoken about, although my mom spoke about it. But also my mom had a complicated relationship with finances as well because it was surrounded by so much wealth, the horses, that her sense in the background was, oh, you could never really be a player among these kind of people. And I mean, we were raised very well off, but we weren't at the caliber of these kind of people. So she brought her own kind of story or narrative of they're of a different something which, you know, I also had to wrestle with as I walked in the ring, but it put a lot of pressure in many ways into walking into the ring to prove to her I was a somebody, to prove to him it wasn't a wasted pursuit, blah, blah. Nancy, you're really bringing to life your comment earlier about combining hard work and no matter whatness. Yeah, powerful. It's a powerful knowing. You know, I recently had something that really frightened me professionally to tackle. And for years, I put it off. And then I just dove in. I just said, you know what, let's meet this moment to moment. Let's see what it takes. 
and it was the biggest piece of work I've ever done, more than writing the five books I've written. And it went absolutely beautifully. And that stays with me. There's something to me very powerful about doing the hard, hard, hard thing and just staying with it through the, I can't do this, through the, this is impossible, I hate this, through all of it. Yeah, I'm just really sticking with it. I want to go back to that time in your 20s. You're in early stages of your adulthood. You're continuing to pursue your equestrian dreams, battling against each of your parents' perspectives around money, having some ideas of the money stories of the people in the arena with you. How did you get through it? What was your relationship with money like at that time in your life? Well, we were raised that money was there. There was money. And we were also raised to be very careful. And my grandparents as well, there was a sense of spend, but never spend so you have to make this money again. My sense of it was I felt taken care of. Money took care of me. It really did. And I felt loved by money because I felt safe. And we lived well. Not fancy, but we lived well. Yet there was this background messaging, which as a grown-up, I now understand was really, really powerful, which was be really careful. Be really careful. With money. Yeah. And it's not a plaything. Other than the horses, I don't think I've ever had a relationship with money that is playful. It's never felt like a joyful thing in that sense. I mean, it felt like ground and safety, but not joyful. Do you think you could have a joyful relationship with money today? I'm working on it. That's what I'm working on, which is to lighten that background messaging of this is for your kids. I now have kids. So it's very complicated. And I'm the breadwinner. So I have a lot of fear still around money. And it doesn't feel like something free. It's been a complicated relationship. If I were not the breadwinner, I think I would relax a bit, but the combination of that with this very strong, this money is for your children, messaging, I'm trying to lighten those shackles and find a way to spend in a joyful way, in a way that isn't very careful. What you're talking about is felt by many. You said you have a lot of fear around money and it doesn't feel free. I'm curious, as a psychotherapist, how do you help, how would you help a client of yours who said something similar? I certainly have clients like that. And we explore, you know, well, what is there? Let's let the fears come to the table. So what's true? And what would you do in that case? Or what does it bring up in you? The more awareness that we have around it, I will say, One of the things that set me free was giving myself permission, just to back up for a moment, 
was raised in this idea that one money is family money is it's one way that you get taken care of. It's a very big way. It's a way you actually feel taken care of and so on. I'm not in that kind of family now. I was raised too in the, you know, I was teens in the 70s and early 80s. And I got this message that it's okay. It shouldn't be a big deal. Money, whoever makes it and so on and so on. But I had to come to terms with and what awareness allowed me to see was to give myself permission to say, I am not okay with giving up any sense that I would be taking care of with money. I should be. I should be this incredibly progressive. It doesn't matter. Mine is yours. It's not what's true that I actually feel taken care of when someone helps on a financial front. So it was this dreaded place of like, how could you be that person that I had to free up? And then once I did that, I could start making changes and start feeling less fear because that was the truth. I wasn't going to become someone who, you know, I don't care. I'll pay for everything. I'm not. I don't care for that role. And I allowed myself to be actually as I am. I think a lot of my fear, because it's loosened so much over the last 10 years, was really of letting myself have the relationship with money that I have, which is, it is important to me that it's 50-50 or it's not 50-50, it can't be that, but there's some balance and caretaking will always for me and being parented, which to some degree we are by our spouses as well, involves money. So that's been a very personal journey with it. In terms of my children, my interest is really how do I raise them so they can enjoy. At the moment, I have two college tuitions to pay and rents all over the map. So there's a reality. There's a reality to my little bit of fear where I wouldn't work as hard as I do. But I think my biggest fear was to acknowledge the truth that maybe I'm not this person I'm supposed to be in 2023, uh, some sort of feminist who it's all the same. Maybe I'm not that. Well, also, it sounds like what I appreciate you talked about is you were accepting of your fear. You're not trying to change yourself. Pointing into it. You're acknowledging it. Absolutely. And what we resist persists. So the fear is there. So when I'm in that state where, you know, I'm standing up against a $450 as I was yesterday, beautiful cashmere sweater, I talk to the fear. What are you really afraid of? I remind myself, today you made this in your office. So welcome. Come on. Come have a seat at the table, fear. What are you afraid of? Do you feel this should go to your children? I mean, I will say I have very, very outspoken children who are like, well, wait, you got that? Why don't I get it? Because you're not my age. That's why. You're pretty out there about it should go to me. But they also very much wish I would spend more money on me. But as you say, yeah, just come. If I make this purchase, then come to the register with me. Also honor the courage to purchase in the face of the fear. I didn't get it because it's self-insane. 
I went on eBay later. But I think that's the whole of it, which is whatever is there. There's no right way to be with it. Our best process is to be who you are with money and with the realities. Like I have really hard stop realities about checks I have to write. So it's okay to feel afraid, and then it's okay to also indulge. The truth is our safe ground. It's not one answer or the other. Nancy, I really appreciate you sharing your interior monologue and some of the techniques that you use. I think that's going to be very beneficial for all of us. I'm curious, since you didn't buy the sweater yesterday, how did that make you feel as you walked away and it didn't come with you to the cash register? Here's what's kind of funny, and speaking of the truth, which is as a longtime athlete and someone who loves hard things, there's a certain delight in saying no. Or guess what? I get to go find the same thing on eBay. And I will. Something really, really close. My kids will roll their eyes. Oh, my God, you could do it. I actually, there's part of my personality that enjoys that moment of, Hmm, let's see what it feels like if you walk out and say no. So I get delight in that. That's the long time runner in me. There's been built this enjoyment of the heart. And the truth is, here's the real truth. I don't think about that usually for more than seven seconds, not even, because I don't really care. That's the truth. Where I struggle with it more is, for example, If it's a vacation and I know I'm cutting corners or I'm telling my kids they can't have that, it's more there because I would like it to feel freer there. And I'm not a stuffed person. But the other sense of enjoying giving yourself that little bit of luxury, getting the pillows you really want, those kinds of things. I think you're starting to answer the question I was about to ask, which is what does having a playful, fun relationship with money look like for you? Uh, I would probably spend loosely. <laughs> I made that word up. I probably would travel with more. We travel fine. But I think, you know how when people are severe dieters, they tell me, When I look at a menu, I never look at what I want. I sort of approach a lot of my travel and things like that, like anything outside of just sort of the work world with this, okay, well, what works? You mean instead of what you want? It's got pieces of what I want, but not the full thing. If I wanted, I would take my family on a luxury vacation where it wasn't Lightly uncomfortable. Or if I could, I would hire a designer to come in and, you know, someone to help me, a decorator with the house. This is first world nonsense, but what would be fun would be to do that. That would be fun. I'm curious, have you ever done a fun money project? A fun money project. Yeah, just feel that expected freeness of taking a luxury vacation with your family or doing something that you normally wouldn't do. I think you're calling me out here. (laughs) Only in a loving way though, Nancy. I'm truly curious. 
well, this is where I get my training. Where I do that, I suppose, is I give my kids the summer trips they want. I send them to the camps they want. I let them take travel trips that they want. So, yeah, I give it. I often think about if I won the lottery, and again, I do very well because of my work, but if I won the lottery, what would I really want? What would I do differently? And truth be told, those are not my wants, the wants that cost money. I'm on a spiritual path. My want is to be in a relationship with wanting, period, of awareness, to have peace, just peace. And peace from this mind and peace from this source. So, so I'm not really wired to want material objects. Part of what I'm up against is I don't want boats and cars and houses. I actually want less. So I'm sort of by nature a minimalist. I think to feel more free to just go out with my daughters and have them order 17 things on the menu because they want to taste everything and not be irritated because I'm putting the bill. Or to not, when we go away on holiday, to not be slightly irritated when the bill comes and I pick up the whole thing. To just have that, yeah, I can do this. How lucky am I to be able to do this? That's what enjoyment or lightness would feel like for me. Nancy, you're very thoughtful about your relationship with money. I feel like you've really spent time on it. I'm curious, have you made a pivotal money decision in your life? And what would that have been? I did do that in my relationship where I had to be clear that I wasn't okay. And part of safety and part of being taken care of included participation. And that I could not do this thing that a super progressive person maybe would, which is just keep giving no matter what. In the abstract, in the theoretical, yes, I just give endlessly. And I had to acknowledge that, and that came at enormous fault, and all the judgments around that, and it was quite complicated. We worked through, but to own your truth, is not always what's wanted. So I had to admit that I couldn't give unending on that front. And if it were just me giving to kids, it would be one thing. It's not their responsibility, but that was a very pivotal decision for me. And then recently, I had the great good fortune to buy a second house and a house for weekends. And that felt like a loosening of the guard. Like, hey, you want a place to go out of the city? Give it to yourself. Give it to your family. Give it to you because you want it. They sort of wanted it. I wanted it. And I gave it to myself. So that was a big shift that came about four years ago. And that was taking this seriously. This life is not endless. That started to become kind of a real thing for me. And the old saying, you know, if not now, when? When are you going to ever be in this? You're going to give it away to your kids. Get that. It was given to you in careful ways. 
and you've been incredibly lucky. But when do you get to actually enjoy this? It's like, it's now. So I gave myself the second house and that was a big deal. Sounds like it. And how do you feel about that today? Delighted. It's been a great decision, absolutely, and well-enjoyed and well-used and a nice motivator, too, for, well, you could do that. So maybe that opened the gate a little bit of, what do you want? Maybe there are wants hiding that have been so muffled through all of this. But that kept coming up, like you'd like a place to go. So I sort of live in the question, what is a real want? Again, it's not stuff, but it is the experience with my family that the house allows me. And so I gave myself that experience. You're really articulating what so many of us experience, the external, the internal, the societal pressures expectations we have of ourselves and really focusing on the want is a truly beautiful thing. I'm curious, what's your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? Ah, my next money conversation will be with myself and it will be in this very loving way of recognizing that you want a growing and evolving relationship with money. I'm very smart with money. I take care of so many people with my earning. And again, it's only me in this family, but I'm evolving. I'm talking to myself. Hey, sweetheart, you've always done it this way. You've gotten all these kids almost launched. What if it were time for you now? If it were time for you, you have them. You've earned it. You can own that. How, sweetheart, would you like to spend this money you've earned to experience this time you have left different? And God willing, I have a lot of time, but I see it more as an opportunity. And it has more of that flavor, that aroma internally. Oh, Nancy, what an important conversation. I love how gentle you are to yourself, how you talk to yourself. It was a very sweet tone and sounds like you're ready for some dreaming. Mm. But before we let you go, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? My website is nancycollier.com and that's one L, C-O-L-I-E-R. All the books are on Amazon and I'm on much social, Insta and all of those things that we do. But come to my website and Come visit me at one of my workshops around the country on the Emotionally Exhausted Woman. Hope I get to meet some of your listeners and you all at some point in the flesh. Oh, we hope so as well. And it was wonderful to speak with you on Money Tales. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.